What if I told you that being in the right place at the right time was not a circumstance of luck? What if I told you it's a skill that you could learn and leverage to achieve your goals and dreams? This is the Right Place Right Now podcast with Travis Fields and Brandon Johnson. Have you ever wondered what it takes to start and grow a successful YouTube channel or an online business? Our episode today features YouTuber and course creator Nathan Larson. Nathan is a songwriter, producer, and educator. Since mid-2020, he's grown his YouTube channel from 1,000 subscribers to over 65,000 and reached almost 2 million people with his videos teaching music production. He's also the founder of the Producer Accelerator Program, which is an online program that teaches home studio production and songwriting. The program launched in January of 2021 and has already gained students from across the world. In this episode, Nathan shares some of his successes and failures, as well as some life lessons he's learned along the way. Join us in welcoming Nathan Larson to the show. Hey, Brandon here. And before we get started with today's episode, I want to ask you a favor. You see, this show thrives because of the direct support from our listeners. You can help us by providing a five-star review, leaving some love in the comments, or subscribing to make sure that you don't miss any future episodes. In doing so, you're not only supporting the show and promoting our growth, but even more importantly, you're providing direct support to our amazing guests. That way they can continue to share their stories and inspire others. Do us a quick favor, take a moment to comment, review, and subscribe. We greatly appreciate you, and thanks for listening. Well, Nathan, how's it going this morning? We're glad to have you with us today. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's get started. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do? Sure. So uh, I run an online education business, uh, specifically in the music industry. I teach music production, songwriting, uh, and I have a YouTube channel that I suppose you could say uh, makes me a little bit of money, but then really is a organic source of traffic uh, to get people into my ecosystem to buy my course. And so that has been, for me at least, the YouTube side of thing has been the biggest thing in growing my business. And then um, really the way I actually have a business, I suppose, and keep the lights on is selling online education. So essentially built a, a online program, teaching production, songwriting, and then sell that. And then uh, I guess we're off on our way. Yeah, that's great. No, you, uh, you, had a, you started your YouTube channel, what, about a year ago? restarted i restarted my youtube channel in late fall of 2019 i actually started my youtube channel in 2016 so yeah that would have been like close to five years ago and did that for i i had the idea of what i'm doing now five six years ago i knew i wanted to be teaching music production and songwriting i knew there was a market for it i knew that i had a way of doing it differently than other people who were doing it but I started doing YouTube in my mind, I was going to sell an online, like subscription membership for my thing, like, you know, $10 a month and you get access to my quote unquote Academy or whatever. And, um, started doing the YouTube videos in, in 2016 and basically saw no success. I mean, it was like, I'd be happy to get hundred views. Did that for probably six months, made 
zero money, didn't sell anything and didn't even get my website built because I didn't know, I just didn't know what the heck I was doing. I had just graduated. I actually was still in college when I started it. In that six month period, I graduated college, basically tried doing this full time for a bit. We had a little bit of room financially, my wife and I to allow me to do that. And it just, it didn't work at all. And basically quit, ended up coming back in restarting, I suppose you could say in late 2019. So you, you had, uh, I know in just in early 2020, you had about a thousand subscribers on your YouTube. I just looked this morning, you're at almost 64,000. That's a lot in a year. So what's the, what's been the reaction of people from the outside looking in to that, you know, you, you go from a thousand to 65,000 people in a year. What, what, what are, what are people saying? Yeah. I mean, I've definitely heard like, Oh, what did you do? Like to grow so fast. And I've heard, I've heard different things. Like I've heard a little bit of it. Fortunately, not a ton of people have been like, Oh, you got lucky. Um, I haven't heard that a lot, which I'm, I'm thankful for because that would be very frustrating to hear, (laughs) but I have heard a lot of people that are kind of like, you know, tell me the secret. How did you blow up so fast? And like, a few months ago, you were at, you know, this number, and now you're at this number. And, you know, my, my YouTube channel is at a growth rate of about anywhere between 8,000 and it's peaked at about 25,000 new subscribers in one month. And so it's just been this pretty crazy growth, but I've definitely heard a lot of people who are kind of like, you just did it so fast and everything was so easy. And like I said, no one's been like, you got lucky because I think anyone who watches my channel can see the amount of work I put into it because I I think there's, and we can probably talk about this later, but there are reasons why my channel has grown faster than other channels. And it took a lot of learning to get there, but most people look at my channel like, yeah, that makes sense. But they still think, yeah, you, this just like happened almost, even though it might not be love, but it just happened and it was so fast and whatnot. Yeah, well, I I asked you a question offline, and I I think it's important that I ask it again. I asked you, what does it take to be an overnight success? And I loved your answer. So what is the answer to that? Yeah, the answer is you you do it for five years, and you suck at it, and you fail. (laughs) And And then you figure it out. And when you that's the thing that I've learned is that the growth, not just on YouTube, but even for my business in terms of just like revenue generated, when you figure out what works, it, it is a lot like catching fire to dry brush and it can, it can just take off crazy. Um, YouTube in particular, because that's how their algorithm is designed. It's designed to find things that are going to get maximum viewership and maximum audience retention. And then YouTube is going to do the rest. But the same thing is, is true for a business that if, if you find and build something that the market market wants that people are eager for and excited for and are demanding, then if you can figure out your traffic and marketing, it's like, yeah, it can just, it can just happen extremely fast. Yeah. I think the key there though, is it took you five years to figure that out. It took a long time. And even, even when I came back to it, even let's just take even last year. So 2020 back in 2020 in January, my program was not even built yet. I didn't even build my program until I just started selling it the end of January this year, but I started building it probably six months ago. I started selling it only to people more one-on-one. So I wasn't doing broad market. Like I wasn't going and selling it to anyone who wanted to get jump in because it wasn't finished. So what I did was I charged a lot more for it 
and I did a ton of one-on-one. And so I used that one-on-one to help me figure out, okay, how can I better build this program, this course to serve the, the students and also still make money so I can, I can survive. Like the, the program in the, in the way it is right now, didn't even exist until like two months ago. And so it took that long to build plus all the time it took to learn YouTube. Cause I mean, I spent pretty much all of 2019 just studying YouTube, just like learning listening to podcast after podcast or podcast, watching video after video after video. I mean, literally a year of nothing but learning how, how to build a successful YouTube channel. Like what are the key ingredients to doing this? And then in 2020, I pretty much spent all of that year learning, okay, how do I actually make money? <laughs> you know? And so it was literally just a year of just nonstop nose down. How can I actually turn this into a real business that'll take care of my family? And so, yeah, it took, it took a long time, even though like you look at it now, you zoom out, you're like, oh, that was so fast. It happened so quick, but it's like, from my perspective, it's like, you don't really see all the, all the time, the years that it took to basically just study and learn. You had a couple of times in there where you kind of temporarily, uh, I guess for lack of better words, gave up for a while, but at the end of the day, you made it happen. What kept you going? What kept you coming back? Yeah, that's, that's good. So the first time I quit, I, I was burned out and I had already, so my, my background is obviously music production, songwriting, composing. I was freelancing, um, doing anything. I took, I never said no to anything. And so if, if a job came up that I was going to get paid, I said yes to basically everything. And that was exhausting. I ended up working on lots of stuff I just didn't want to do. And especially in the creative field, the creative industry, it's just really hard to do really high quality creative work when you just don't even like it. So I got burned out, quit the first time, literally walked away from music and business and all that for about two years and got a job in sales, found out I was very good at it (laughs) and um, made... I mean, I was 23 years old, making a pretty decent six-figure income. I, for a while, was like, this is the life. Like, my wife and I were just like, I could just stay here for the next 25 years, 30 years, retire here, and we'll be, we'll be great, you know, whatever. Basically, after about two years of doing that, it, it just, I remember one time driving into work and thinking to myself, where do I see myself in five years? And I, like, it, it, I remember this so vividly, like, literally just going through and thinking, where do I see myself in five years? And I just started crying because it was like, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be here. I was like, I'm, I'm supposed to build my own business and I want freedom and I want to, I want to own what I sell. Like I knew that I could sell. And so it was like, I can sell. And so it's just a matter of figuring out how to sell something that I own. And that, that really kind of reinvigorated me or re-inspired me to go back on this venture. But then, yeah, it was another two, two and a half years of that first thought to getting to where I am now. Did you get into sale, sales intentionally? I mean, versus like construction or something? Yes, because my dad had done sales when I was growing up and he made really good money. And so I knew that there was going to be opportunity to learn um, just like communication, learn how just how to sell anything. And I also knew that financially, it could probably put me and my family in a better spot where the idea was, hey, I'll take this job for two to five years see how much, like, just try to make as much money as possible. And then essentially be in a situation financially where I can, I can quit and live with making no money for a fair amount of time. 
it didn't really work out that way because we ended up thinking, oh, we're just going to stay here and do this. So, you know, we bought a house, we, we bought cars and did, I mean, honestly, we, we were just not very smart with our money at the beginning, but yeah, I got into sales because I knew the income potential was a lot higher. And I remember talking to my dad about it and I was telling him I want to get into sales. And he basically told me like, sales is really hard. You're going to face a lot of rejection and you're going to, you're going to have to deal with a lot of stuff. And I was, I mean, it basically came down to like, what's, what's the worst that can happen. The worst that could happen is I do it for a month and I don't like it. And then I leave. Right. So I did it. And yeah, the first month sucked. It was <laughs> bad. I, I literally was like, what have I done? <laughs> you know. <laughs> and after that, after a month, I just got to a point where it was like, in my mind, I said, I'm not going to fail at this. This is going to happen. I'm going to figure this out. And then flip of a switch. It's kind of the same thing I saw with, with my business where like, when you figure it out, when it clicks, it clicks. And I went from like making like $600 a week to several thousand a week. I, I think there's some, a nugget in there that I want to pull is that was intentional for two reasons. Like obviously the financial aspect, which a lot of people focus on, but you knew there were going to be skill sets out of that, that you could take and leverage. So how did that transition to your YouTube channel and some of those things that you learned along the path? One, yes. So I knew going into it, I'm going to learn how to sell and that's going to be super useful. I didn't know the extent at that it would help. And it has helped immensely. I mean, I, when I, when I left that job, I remember having a conversation, uh, with, with my dad and with a number of my colleagues is basically saying like, honestly, like learning how to sell and learning how to be successful here has been the most valuable skill that I've, that I could possibly learn because you start understanding, like, why does someone purchase something? Why does someone buy? What's the psychology behind it? How do you take someone from, I have no idea who the heck you are to, I want to buy from you. And the type of sales that I was in, it was one call closed sale. I would walk in and it was business to, it was B2B sales. So I would walk in and I would meet the business owner. They've never met me before. I basically get a presentation in with them, 10 minute long conversation. And I expect that they write me a check. And if they don't, I walk out and I leave and I go to the next one. And so it, it was, uh, pretty crazy, you know, and like not something that most people would want to do. But what it taught me was that there is an actual progression in, in how you build trust with somebody, how you get them to believe you and, and not in a manipulative way. That's like a lot of people think about it in a very manipulative way. And some people do use it manipulatively, but I'm talking about in an, in an actual, like immediately getting their attention, immediately getting them to understand like, okay, this is actually valuable. And then going about closing somebody and asking for the sale in a way that's not, you know, pushy, but also in a way that's going to have a really high close ratio where like, you know, I was at a point to where if I talked to 10 people, I was expecting four to six sales. So that's a really high close ratio, um, especially for that type of sales. Like on internet sales, it's like one or one to 5%. So it's like a lot lower, but it's, it's obviously a totally different sales approach, but Anyway, I, I could ramble about that for a long time, but basically just it, it really kind of drilled into me like, okay, how can I apply that to what I'm doing on YouTube to how like viewing every video as sales, quote unquote sales, I've got to sell them on watching my video. <laughs> and so like the way you do that is you start the video and you need to get to it within the first 10 seconds, like in 10 seconds, your viewer needs to know why, why should I watch this video? 
and they're deciding in the first 30 seconds whether they're going to watch the rest of the video. And there are these points throughout the whole thing, just like in the sales call, where if you lose someone's attention, it's over. It's done. They might as well just leave. So let's take let's go back to your first YouTube channel and you 2016, is that correct? Yeah. Yep. Where did that transpire? What was the genesis of kicking that off? At the beginning? Like yeah. Wait, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, like I said, I mean, I wanted to build a, a subscription-based website. My, my goal or my vision was I'm going to produce and write a new song every single month. And then literally every month I'm going through exactly how I do it step-by-step-by-step by step by step, and you pay $10 a month. YouTube at first was, I was kind of trying to do like the quote unquote freemium model where I can do it all on free, all free for YouTube, start growing an audience. And then eventually I would be able to start charging money for it on the back end. That was kind of the idea. So the first five videos I did were like nothing but test videos. I, they were, they weren't even related to what I was actually doing. It was like a tutorial on like finale, which is a software for composing music and not actually, it's not a production software or anything. And then I started getting into more of the producing stuff and writing and arranging and all that. I, I was doing, I think like two, two or three videos a week and just, yeah, I did that for like probably five, six months or something like that. And I mean, I think, I think during the time, like my most viewed video was like a couple hundred views and probably not even that at the end, I posted two videos, my last two videos. And this is the thing that's so funny. And I think there's a lesson here. The last two videos I did, the first one was a tutorial on like how to use this specific software within Logic Pro, which is the software I use for producing. So it was this tutorial on how to use it. It's called Flex Pitch. And the second one was five tips to make your band sound better. And it was, that was the video title. And it was just five tips on how to make your band sound better. And then I left, came back, you know, two years later, and sure enough, those videos, the last two videos I did each had like 25,000 views, but like every other video before that was still in like the hundred range. And so I think what's just really, I just shake my head thinking about it because it's like, if I would have kept going and if I would have known that those videos would, would have worked, ah, oh, like, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> stopping. It's like you're mining for gold, you know, it's used to, you've probably seen these like pictures or whatever. And then the, the miner's like, oh, I quit. And then you see the zoomed out picture and he's like an inch away from hitting gold or something like that. But I also look back and I think, praise God, that didn't happen because my entire business model sucked. So if it would have been successful, then I still wouldn't have made any money. <laughs> <laughs> You've been putting out a lot of views, but not reaping any benefits from it. Because that's the thing. There are so many people on YouTube with thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of subscribers, and they're making no money because they suck at running a business. They have no idea what they're doing. That might be a little harsh. But they don't. They don't. No, I, but but that's true though. You you have to know you have to know why you're doing it. And if the goal is to get a bunch of viewers, then great. If the goal is to make money and you're not making money, then I would consider that not a success. So, but I, that's a good point. You can you can have all the notoriety and still not be where you want to be. And that, I mean, that goes back to my point earlier of, you know, people are looking at that guy saying, wow, you've got 150,000 subscribers. You've got a half a million subscribers. And this guy's probably sitting in his, in his office saying, I'm not successful. If they only knew what was behind the scenes, 
they wouldn't be saying that. Just because of the nature of what I've been building, I've been trying to put myself in the, in the same environment as other people who have successful YouTube channels. And this is, this is absolutely a thing. There are people who have exponentially larger followings than I have, and I'm making more money than they are. People that are like, oh, like you, you get a million views, like you probably make so much money on that on YouTube or whatever. And what people don't understand is how complicated the YouTube ad structure is and how people actually get paid on YouTube. It is not cut and dry. Some YouTubers are going to put up a video and get a million views and they're going to make $500. Others are going to put up a video with a million views and they're going to make $10,000. So these kids I see online that are with their little gold YouTube plaques that are like, you can make six figures in a year. That's not really legit. It can be. It depends entirely on the type of YouTube channel you have. For my YouTube channel, I would. Um, just because I'm in more of the technology space of the music industry. And so my YouTube channel actually has a very high, uh, um, it's like, it's called CPM, which is cost per mil or still like cost per thousand. Like it's milli, like millimeter or whatever. Anyway, so cost per thousand is going to show you like per thousand views on average, how much does your channel make? YouTube will actually value every channel differently based on the type of content that they put up and how advertiser friendly that channel is. That's the key thing. So say, for example, I'm in the music industry, but if I were to just only do music videos and I get like millions of views because I'm making these super awesome music videos, I'm going to make no money. I could have a million subscribers. I would be making, I'm basically not even enough to live on. And the reason is because who likes music? Everybody, everybody likes music. So what advertiser wants to advertise on that? Right. No one. <laughs> because that's not a targeted audience at all. And so those channels are going to make no money. Comedians, they're going to make no money. If your channel is broad, you're going to make no money. But if you're having a, if you have a channel on uh, selling real estate, those channels make a crap ton of money because who wants to advertise on channels that have a huge audience to people who are interested in real estate, financial institutions, banks, credit company, or credit cards, mortgage insurance companies, all these companies who their ROI on advertising and getting a sale is crazy high. Because if you go and you get a mortgage through Rocket Mortgage or whatever from an ad, how much money does Rocket Mortgage make on that? Pretty fair amount. Same thing for my industry, but it's on a smaller scale. My industry is music technology. That's basically how you could dumb it down. Well, so someone who wants to learn how to record and produce music at home, what do they need? They need equipment. This microphone is a $500 microphone. So if that microphone company wants to sell to people who are specifically interested in, in home studio recording or recording in any capacity, guess whose channel they're going to go to? Mine. <laughs> because that's my entire audience. That's, that's who my audience is. So if they have a $500 mic, how much are they going to be willing to spend on ads to get a one sale for a mic? A fair amount. And so it's just, it's kind of common sense in terms of if you have a billboard in the middle of nowhere, that billboard's value is super low. But if you have a billboard in Times Square, that value is pretty high because just the, the actual eyeballs you're going to get on it. And so a lot of people just don't understand the economics of how YouTube works in that, in that way. And it is complicated and you can't predict what it's going to be. There's, there's a common theme that I'm hearing in everything that you're saying. And it, it's, I think Brandon, you hit on it a minute ago, but just intentionality, like even you get into the YouTube space, you find some success as far as subscribers, 
you're still thinking intentionally about how am I going to hit these people? Who's going to market on my channel? Who's watching? You know, who's my audience? All of that stuff you've been intentionally developing for a long time. How did you learn that? And I know that part of it was your sales background, but, but how did you learn that the importance of that intentionality? What were the things that led up to you realizing that, Hey, when I'm intentional, things move. I think first of all, like I, I like data and I think if you like data, you're going to have a leg up because data doesn't lie. And if you're looking at the data, so I'll, let me back up. I think the first thing is, is that when I was really studying just YouTube and how to be successful on YouTube, I was listening to a podcast called video creators. They also have a YouTube channel. I, I, I like listened and watched to just literally everything they have. And they, and they also have courses that they sell programs that you can go through. And I don't think I didn't buy one of their programs actually until last year when my channel already had, I think like 20,000 subscribers. So like, that's the other thing I didn't pay for any, like learning on how to, like, I didn't buy a course and like how to learn, how do you do YouTube or whatever until I already had a YouTube channel that was actually doing decent. But when I just was like going through and studying and, and learning and stuff like that on like, how do you grow a YouTube channel? And I was fortunate because the people that I found right away that taught it, video creators, this is what they preached. You have to know who is your audience. You have to identify, basically like draw a mental picture of like, who is the ideal person watching your video or who is the, and, and you just translate that because all this stuff is convertible into a business. It, it's all the same. It's just the economics are, of it are, are a little bit different. I guess you could say like the marketing is different, but even then how you approach marketing is it's actually pretty similar. And just like how you approach making a YouTube video, that's actually gonna be successful. And like what makes a YouTube video successful? Okay. Then, then what makes a successful marketing campaign? Like some of those concepts at least are the same. I think just a lot of it was being inundated a little bit by other people that I was listening to and watching talking about it. Um, Alex Becker is another one. I don't know if you've heard of Alex Becker, but he's kind of like the king of YouTube ads and stuff like that. And he owns a SaaS company now that actually helps people track their ads and everything like that, but multimillionaire. And so, and he has a YouTube channel where he just lit, I mean, he's, a, he's a multimillionaire just making videos for fun, just talking about how to run a business. And it's like, he just rants on it for 20, 30 minutes. But the thing is, is that if you're willing to sit through and actually listen to someone who's really successful, who's actually doing it, and they're not selling you something at the end, because that's the thing is like everyone's selling something with like the make money online industry where they're like, Oh, like I'm going to teach you how to build a seven figure business, like in a year or whatever. And then they're going to have these quote unquote tutorials where they teach you stuff, but then actually they just teach you the what, not the how or the why, because you get that with their paid program. But like people like Alex Becker, you start looking at people that actually run successful companies where this isn't even what they sell. They're an open book because they're not selling you anything. They're just like, yeah, I'll just tell you what I do. That seems to be the model, or maybe it's not the model, but what, what you've demonstrated here is that somebody has a model that you can follow and you don't have to necessarily pay for that if you're willing to do the work, which was literally what it sounds like your entire hiatus was just doing the work and figuring out what that needed to look like. And, and here's the thing. Last year, I spent a lot of money on, like I spent a fair amount of money on coaching, on like business coaching. And the first time around, it was a total waste. Like it, I saw no ROI and I spent a lot of money on it. All these big promises, you know, of like, we're going to, you know, it just, it, it, it really frustrates me because I got into that whole thing of, 
you know, I need to learn how to run a business. And then everyone's telling me, if you want to learn how to run a successful business, you got to get a coach, you got to get, you know, whatever, like you can't do it without them. That is the whole like marketing strategy of the make money online industry. You can't do it without me. You can't build a successful business without my secrets and strategies, which is now sitting where I am now. I'm like, what a load of crap. Because the thing is, is that I got into three programs last year. The first one, no ROI. The second one, no ROI. I learned some cool principles. I learned, I learned stuff. It's not, they didn't learn anything, but like it wasn't translatable into what I was doing. Then I found, um, a program by Parker Walbeck, who runs a company called full-time filmmaker. He's got 1.5 million subscribers on YouTube. So one, he's a YouTuber. He understands the YouTube space Two, he sells online courses in a very parallel industry to the way that I'm doing it. And then they basically, they've built a $6 million a year, $5 million a year company selling online education, teaching people how to make, how to film basically, like how to record video. That's basically what I'm doing, but it's just music, not video. And they had so much success with the full-time filmmaker business. They're like, there are all these other people out there that are creating courses that are not making money. And so what if we just teach them our blueprint, how we do it? Their program was a fraction of the cost and was the most valuable thing that I ever got into. And I just, I just followed their blueprint. I did pay for it, but the amount I paid for it was like nothing compared to what some of these other high-end, high-ticket coaching programs are charging like claiming they're going to give you one-on-one attention when actually it's not. I get frustrated when I think about it because the, the threat is kind of like what you said, the, the common theme that you see with a lot of people online that are teaching online business is you can't do it alone. You can't do it without me. And so pay me $10,000 for my coaching. The thing that's so irritating about it is people will spend the $10,000 and then expect that it's a magic pill mm. they, and they think they don't have to show up anymore. They, they think that they don't have to do the work anymore. And there are people in the other program that I'm in that, that was like $500 or a thousand dollars or something like that. And there are still people in that program that just show up thinking, this is just going to fix all my problems. I don't have to do anything when actually it's like, no, no, no. This is like literally like the guide. You still actually have to show up and put in the work to do it. And it is on you. And I've had friends asking me saying like, I want to build an online business doing selling courses or whatever. What advice do you have? The advice that I have to anybody wanting to build, and it's, it's not just online courses, it's any business. It's if someone tells you, you can't do it without my specific coaching, or you can't do it alone, or you can't learn this, or you can't do that. That's a huge red flag to me. Now, the thing is that, yeah, they might have, they might have strategies that you don't know. And I'm not in the position of saying, you know, everything that you can do it by yourself. Cause I think you do have to learn. Like there are things you have to learn, tangible things you have to learn. But if you put that first, instead of putting your work ethic first, you're going to run into all sorts of problems because it doesn't replace it. They have to be married together. I have a, a couple of kind of unrelated questions on that. You mentioned the, if you, you can't do it without me, that being a red flag, do you have any other tips or ways to because it, it is such a busy space online courses are everywhere everybody's trying to sell you on their ideas it's so noisy do you have any advice on how to sort through that besides that the the one tip that you already just mentioned how do we sort through that and find something that is going to work for us because i think that's a huge disconnect for people is 
I don't know what to do and I don't even know where to start, you start looking on for online courses on how to build an online course, you're going to find a million results. And so that in itself is daunting. Yeah. I think that before you ever spend money, you need to exhaust looking for free. I don't think that spending money on building your business immediately is the right way to go there. And, and it's hard. It, it is really hard because I know some people that they, they spent money right away and got coaching and it worked for them and they had huge results and that's fantastic. That's great. But to a certain degree, like the first coaching program that I got into knowing what I know now, like it just wasn't even a good fit. I was starting to get back into YouTube and these people were, once I got into it saying, I don't know, what are you doing on YouTube? Like Facebook's the way to go. I'm like, hold on a sec. Hold, wait a second. Like my YouTube channel is growing. I don't know. No, no, you gotta use Facebook, get into Facebook groups and, and pump out your marketing in Facebook groups. If I would have known that it would have been like, wait a minute, <laughs> red flag. Like that's not good, but you don't know what you don't know to a certain degree. If you haven't at least played the game for a little bit. I think too, it's hard because when you're first starting, like you don't even know what questions to ask because like you, you're so new at it. You don't, you don't know anything in a way. And so I think that like finding good resources that are on YouTube that actually teach this stuff and not going to one resource. And it's like, you know, watching the news, it's like, you know, get news from multiple places. So that way you're not just biased on stuff. That's obviously kind of unrelated, but it is related because there's this weird thing with like the gurus. They have cult followings. They do. They have, they have these followings where people will go to the grave for them. All the while they're 50K in debt. It's a hard space to know what's the right choice and what are the million wrong choices. Yeah. And so I think the thing too that I, I've kind of learned is that like hypey stuff is probably not good. Like the stuff that's just like super hypey, like, you know, if they're saying things like, Oh, we're going to teach you how to build a multi, like a seven figure a year business and all that stuff. And I'm not knocking on Sam ovens, but Sam ovens is kind of like the king of the make money online industry. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him at all, but I think they're doing something like, I can't remember how many millions a month in sales. They're like, like multi-million a month business selling online, make money online basically. And he's kind of like the guy who did it. He owns consulting.com. <laughs> so like, that's how early he got in on it. If you, if you look at someone like him, he's going to talk a lot about like how to build like a multiple seven figure a year business. But then if you actually look and you actually look at, okay, what's the actual data of their student results? It's like less than 20. I think it's like 20 people, like 20 of his clients have ever made seven figures out of like thousands. It's very, very few. So if their sales trailer has them pitching you from the hood of their Lamborghini, probably a red flag. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, honestly, it's just like, I, and I think that there's, this is, I think part of why my business is successful too, is because I've just decided like, you know what, I'm actually gonna be authentic with my audience and I'm not going to be hypey. I'm going to basically tell them, Hey, like, and look, I use a sales process that some people probably don't like. And guess what? Because it turns out that sometimes if you want to sell things like you, you, there is a process and some people just don't like sales. That's okay. Just don't buy from me then. At the end of the day, I'm not going to do this whole, like, you can't do this without me. Like you'll fail without me. It's like this whole, without me, you're because people are more afraid of missing out than they are of gaining. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's scientifically proven. <laughs> that's, that's why you're going to hear people use language like that. 
if you don't do this, this will happen. If you don't take this action, this will happen. It's just smart psychology is what it is. And it's really, it, it, it's really powerful and it can be used in a super manipulative way. It's also not practical. I'm thinking of like our channel here. We're not even officially live yet. We're recording these episodes and seven figures is not a feasible expectation for us. Like teach me how to make a thousand dollars off of this. That's what I want to know. Give me the incremental steps and that alone. Like, of course, everybody wants that big vision, but you've got to start small. Like you said, you've got to learn. And there are so many great free resources with YouTube that will at least allow you to at least figure out what questions to ask, like you said, because you don't know what you don't know. So dip your toe in the water a little bit. That's what you're saying before you start buying into all this hype and all these programs. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think that the one thing that I wish I would have done sooner is I wish I would have just offered something sooner because you don't really learn anything until you offer something for sale. You can have all these big ideas of like, oh, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sell this, I'm going to do that. And it's like, okay, if you're working on a course like mine, which took me, I mean, my course has over a hundred lessons. It's deep. And it, I'm not just patting myself on the back, but I have people, students of mine, email me, send me personal messages regularly saying, this is the most comprehensive course I've ever, I've ever seen. This has radically changed how I do music, which is what I design it for. I'm not building something with a hundred lessons just to fill up dead space. I want to do approach this into what is the most systematic way I can teach this to get people going quickly. And you, you just can't do it in five lessons. You can't do it in 10 lessons. It's not possible. And that's the thing is so many people have this, give it to me quick, give it to me quick, give it to me quick. Like I got it right now, give it to me right now. And that's not real life. <laughs> this is not, it's not real life. But as far as like, the free paid, all that stuff. Yeah. I think that there's a lot of free resources. The thing is, is that YouTube for any of the make money online, like if you're trying to learn that stuff, what you'll find is most people who teach it also have a program that they're selling. And so you just need to be aware of that right away. Like if you're watching anyone, anyone on YouTube talking about how to build an online business, just look at their description real quick. Like literally just go to their description. What's the very first link they have? Check out my course. Their course, yeah. <laughs> or read the first line of comments. The first dozen comments will tell you. Yeah, yeah. And so not, I'm not saying that's bad either. Like, I want to be really clear. I do that. Like, someone goes and watches my YouTube video. Guess what? I'm going to pitch my course because my, I'm not doing my YouTube channel as a charity. I want to help people. I do. But I also got to put food on the table, you know? And like, I gotta, I'm building a business. Here's the difference, though. You're looking to add value instead yes. of instill fear. That's, that's the difference. Exactly true. If you're getting comments like, oh, I see. This was just a long sales pitch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> but if you're getting comments like, wow, like this one YouTube video just like changed how I thought about that or whatever, that that's good. Like, you know that you're actually providing something of value to people. And guess what? They're going to be trolls. Even if you're providing value, I have people who you know, post this ridiculous comments on my channel. There always are. Yeah. Even like I sell beer for a living and I still like, there are trolls in the beer world, like the, the happiest thing on earth. Like it's people love that, you know, people drink and, and hang out and, and beer is just a fun social thing, but I still get people that are like one star, but I don't like that kind of beer. <laughs> like then why are you drinking it? You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, honestly, like earlier this year, 
at, well, at the end of 2020, I posted a video that is now my most successful video. It's like, it's like over 400,000 views right now. And it's, it's been up for like two months. And that video, I, at, on January 1st, I had 30,000 subscribers. It's March 5th right now. I have like 64. And so it, it exploded things just growth wise for me, which is great. But the thing that I just realized, like, man, when you start seeing that explosive growth, all of the, all the trolls, they come crawling out of their dark places and they're, they're just like, Hmm, this guy's starting to be successful. Let's just rip on him or something like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, and it's in, there was a period of time where I like really was wrestling with it. Like, Oh my gosh, like, should I be doing this? You know, and it's just crazy. It's just stupid stuff, but like, they're just a lot of dumb people out there. Yeah. Well, it's part of this cancel culture that we're in now is people want to support grassroots, but only until it's not grassroots anymore. And then once you get successful, like, I, I don't know, it's weird. It's like people don't need you anymore. I don't, I, I don't even know how to word it, but it's people will support you to the death until you make it. And then you're the enemy there. I think there's some truth to that, but I mean, I I'm thankful. Like I have my core, my core people, you know what I mean? Like it's cool. Like I, I, I feel like what I've been able to build is like a, a tribe in a way, like people that just really resonate with what I'm teaching and how I teach it. And again, like, I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but what I'm doing with my YouTube channel, what I'm doing with my course is actually really disrupting the music industry in terms of the home studio production industry, which is why it is successful, by the way. Um, because when you disrupt something and say, you know what, maybe you guys are all doing it wrong. I'm going to do it different. Then it turns out that if, the way that you do it different is actually a good way of doing it. Then, then people are going to recognize that people are going to be like, huh, this guy's actually doing it different. And there is a certain element of us versus them can absolutely help you grow faster because people pick sides. So you've mentioned a couple of times, kind of the magic pill, quick fix, where, why do you think there's a disconnect there between like people see these online courses and they think it's going to fix the problem and these five lessons are going to change my life and then they don't put in the work. Why do you think that is? Why do you think there's a disconnect there between the knowledge and the, the action that is required to make it happen? Hmm. You know, I, I don't know exactly. I don't know. I don't know like exactly, but I have my opinions, I suppose, which are nothing but my opinions. Yeah. Um, what's your opinion? I, th I think social media has ruined us. I think that the era of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and instant, everything is instant. We are living in instant society where everything is right now. If you want to buy something from Amazon, I can literally push one button on my phone. It'll be on my doorstep in two days. We are spoiled in that way where if you want, it's like, you know, you guys familiar with dopamine? Yeah. Dopamine is like insanely addictive and we get dopamine hits every time you post something on social media and people like it or comment on it or give you love or you're so awesome or this or that. And it, it's like, you just, all of this is like dopamine, just like getting hit with it all the time. And it's just like, it makes you feel so good. And we're in this feel good, everything all the time. Everything's so easy that it turns out building a business is actually really freaking hard. We are used to getting everything right now. And we're used to just pulling up our phone, clicking a button, it shows up on your doorstep. We can watch an entire show on Netflix in, a, in, one, in one sitting, all this stuff. We don't have to wait for anything. And so these people that are marketing, 
they know it. They know that we are living in instant society and they use it and they market it and they're good at it. We're going to have to change the name of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, this is this has been a theme in almost every one of our episodes. Social media comes up as part of the problem that we're trying to address. So in your opinion, how do we fix it at this point? Like, how do we start to change that? So for me, I did this when I got my job in sales. I deleted Facebook. I deleted all social media from my phone because that was the advice my dad gave me because he was in sales. And he basically said, if you want to be successful in this, you have to be 100% committed. You have to be focused. You have to be present. You have to be there every single day, all day, show up. He just very kindly and politely said, Nathan, you know, you should consider for a month deleting Facebook, deleting social media from your phone for a month. And then, and then in a month, if you start having success, you, you can sure, you know, whatever. I ended up having Facebook off my phone for a year and a half. It was like a weight off of my shoulders when I no longer felt like, what was that? My phone that buzzed. Is that a notification from Facebook? So I think if you're going to start a business, uh, you guys are probably familiar with like Dave Ramsey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Don't necessarily agree with all of his opinions because when you start a business, like debt is actually a, a resource, but his idea of like, live like no one else will. So you can live like no one else can. That's kind of his mantra that applies to business. Do what no one else is willing to do. And you will be able to build things that no one else will be able to build. Because if you're spending three freaking hours a day, checking your Instagram and Facebook. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck building anything successful. And so I think if you want to build a business and you actually want to be successful, turn the dang notifications off. For me, social media is an integral part of my business. Like YouTube is obviously social media in a very different way, but believe it or not, I don't watch YouTube videos a whole lot anymore. I don't have time to watch YouTube videos. If, if I'm gonna watch anything YouTube video related, it's for my business. I have something specific I need, or I'm gonna be in my car driving and I'll just like start a YouTube video and just listen to the audio only. And usually I'm listening to someone like Alex Becker, who I know isn't gonna pitch me something at the end, or other people like that were listening to interviews with business owners. That's actually something Alex Becker talks about that I appreciate so much. He's like, if you want to learn how to run a business, just literally go look up interviews of CEOs because they have nothing to sell you. So they're just an open book because they're not pitching you on some make money online scheme. They're just going to tell you what they did because it's like, we just did this and that's how we made money. And um, I think that's really valuable. So I'm not saying like, don't listen to podcasts. Obviously we're doing this right now. Do that. But like, do it, like, if you're going to do that for educational purposes, great carve out that time. It's so easy to get sucked down the rabbit hole of all of a sudden next thing, you know, I'm like yesterday, like making breakfast, I'm watching videos. I'm like, how to detail my own car. What am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like we just bought a car this week and I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, I wonder how, I wonder how people detail cars. And it's like, I'm just like going down this whole rabbit hole of just like, I'm making my breakfast. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I finished breakfast. I'm like, all right, time to go to work. I'm like, what the heck have I been doing? <laughs> And I'm not perfect on this. Like I get sucked into it too, but like, I think the, there's some practical things that I've done that I think other people should do. Turn off notifications for all social media on your phone. None. I don't have any notifications on my phone other than text messages and emails that those are the only notifications I get on my phone. And I've started doing this, that if I'm, if I'm in a period of work, I will sometimes put my phone on do not disturb like nothing. I will not respond to text messages. I'm not going to respond to anything. And this is more recent, but it's huge because 
all these little interruptions, they just, they, they pull you out of the zone and there is a zone. Like there 100% is a zone where if you get working, you spend 30 minutes on something, the next two and a half hours or so is going to be hyper productive if you can just stick with it with no distractions. And so for me, this has been so true where like, I've started just like, if I'm working on scripting a video or if I'm working on something for my program, or if I'm working on, on working on ads or whatever, like I'm going to, I'm just going to turn my phone on do not disturb. And it's just practical things that are actually really simple. And I think if, if that's hard, like I suppose to anyone listening, if you think about this as, man, that'd be so hard to turn off notifications. That is the real reason why you need to do it. You start doing things that are hard because if you can be disciplined with simple things, it's going to make it easier to be disciplined with the hard things. Because I guarantee you, if you're not disciplined with simple crap, how on earth do you expect to be disciplined with your finances as a business? That's like how Russell Simmons says, if you, if you're telling yourself, you don't have 30 minutes a day to meditate, you probably need to find three hours a day to meditate. (laughs) (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. I mean, and, and I've like started trying to even just like be better about like making my bed, just being disciplined in, in all of that stuff where I'm up before my wife is. So it's just like my portion of the bed, you know, but like I'm up before my wife is and, and I'll, I'll try to kind of like do that more. But it's just this mental thing of like, I'm starting my day immediately with something that is, that is requiring a, at least a small smidgen of discipline. And again, social media is just destroying the art of discipline. Has that ability to find ways to be disciplined or to build discipline in your life always been a practice of yours? Or is that something that you've had to evolve intentionally with all of this? I would say that I was pretty well addicted to social media like Facebook when I was like in college. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this was like natural for me to do this. I had to kind of work at it. And there have been multiple times since reinstalling Facebook on my phone that I've actually uninstalled it just to like give myself a hard reset because I will fall back into it. And I'm sure that's not the last time. I'm sure it's going to happen again. I've even had to wrestle with this internally because I've I've even realized more recently, just as I'm like self-reflecting, there have been times where I've been posting a little bit about my business on Facebook, even like just on my personal Facebook. And I can kind of like be like, well, I mean, I do have friends who are in this as well, that this is going to help them. And I have family that wants to know what's going on. But then like, I really do have to kind of ask myself, like, what's the real reason I'm doing that? Is that actually worth it to like, should I, why? Like, why am I doing that? Maybe it is worth it for you to, to be posting on, on social media every so often or whatever. Like, obviously like I do on YouTube, but it's completely like, that's not, it's not for friends. I'm not posting on YouTube for friends. And like, I'll have friends that are like, oh, like, what's your YouTube channel? Go subscribe. And I'm usually like, you know, really like, you don't have to do that. Because I'd rather have people subscribe to my channel that actually like are going to watch my videos. And I know that if you just subscribe, it's like one more number that actually doesn't matter. Right. This goes back to the, that same common theme, all that discipline. And, you know, I'm going to make my bed and I'm going to not be, those are all They all go back to intentionality. Is success really as simple as discipline and intentionality? And is that the piece that we're missing? Can I, can I even put it real quick in a, in a better context for the sake of the show? You, you're taking moments to put yourself in the right place so that you're not distracted later. So like right now in the moment, I, I know that Facebook's a distraction. I'm putting myself in the right place by just simply getting it off my phone so I can be productive where I need to be productive. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not knocking on, on social media at like full sale. Like I'm not throwing it all out because like I said, my business exists because of it. 
because like because specifically because of YouTube, I have friends who their business exists because of Instagram. Like they just crush on Instagram and they're making very good money. And like I said, like obviously I'm in the music industry. So like the industry that I'm in is a very demonstrative industry. I mean, Facebook just isn't as ideal because you just can't demonstrate as easily. Instagram is great because you can make little one minute videos. And if you can really pack a punch in a one minute video, demonstrate something great. YouTube is is even better in my opinion, because like I can take 10 minutes and, and actually teach somebody something of substance, which, and here's the thing for anyone who wants to like sell courses, teach people things on YouTube that you already want them to know when they buy your course. People are like, Oh, like, what do I, what should I even make videos on? Just teach, literally teach them stuff that you want them to already know when they come into your course. That's what I'm doing. Because like when people come into my course, there are already certain things I would like them to know before they ever buy. I'm not taking people who are like, oh, I've never written a song in my life. I've never recorded a song in my life. That's not my ideal customer. My ideal customer is someone who's been doing it for probably six months or longer. So my videos on YouTube are serving them in that zero to six month period. And then they graduate and then they can buy my course. That stuff is all tools or it can also be a pitfall. It's just on, you know, it's how you, it's your mindset on and how you look at it and what you do with it. Yeah. And and I, I got connected with, I've gotten connected with people through Facebook that know me because of YouTube. Like I, I just last week was in Nashville, literally working with a Grammy nominated songwriter and producer, two-time Grammy nominated producer. He's probably going to, he, I mean, he's going to find out if he won a Grammy in like less than two weeks. It's the March 14th is the Grammys. He was nominated just this year for his second time. And he watches my YouTube channel. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like wow. this dude who's literally like, working i mean he 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 works with uh kelsey ballerini who's like one of the biggest pop country artists on earth right now and he found me on youtube turns out we're in a facebook group together i posted something in that group um it's a bit of group for business owners i posted a question in the group and he comments on it he's like hey i'm also in the music industry whatever blah 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 blah, blah. we kind of start talking i have no idea who this guy is no idea. I'm just thinking that ah, it's cool. Like another, another music guy who, you know, whatever, who just needs help, <laughs> you know, like all of us, I ended up getting a, a, a direct message from another buddy of mine who's in the music industry. He's like, Hey, just so you know, like that dude, you're kind of going back and forth with. Yeah. He's, he's like a multiple Grammy nominated dude. So just, just FYI. And I'm like, hold up. It's like, what? Like, you know, like, <laughs> you just don't know who's out. Like these people are actually on Facebook. And so like, you can build relationships and connections that are, that are good. But again, it's like you said, it's like, are you using it as an asset or are you using it as a distraction? Yep. And that all comes down to how intentional you are with. Yeah. Intentional, disciplined, and yeah, I'll, I'll say this too. The other thing, just with like, you know, obviously like talking about like being in the right place, you have to take aggressive action over and over and over and over again to be in the right place. Because you're going you're gonna to take 100 steps, 100 moves. You're going to make 100 moves where 99 of those moves, it's like wrong one, wrong one, wrong one, wrong one. But if you don't take that 100th, you'll never land on the right one. And so it's like you actually have to take pretty aggressive action. And that's the thing that I learned. And like when I kind of came back around to this back in like late 2019, that was my problem. I could make a YouTube video, but I was dragging my feet and just offering anything for sale. Because I was like, oh, maybe I'm not ready or maybe this, maybe that. But it's like, and that's why I said earlier, like, just get something for sale right now. Even if it's not perfect, it could be a PDF of a little, a little ebook that you made using Google Docs. You know what I mean? Anything, something, sell it for $3. 
But like, if you don't have anything for sale, you're not, you're not trying anything. How do you expect to have any sort of success? If you're not, if you're not even putting yourself out there at all, because we can spend a lot of time doing things that we think are like, well, I'm building my business. My YouTube channel was at like 20,000 subscribers before I ever started realizing, oh shoot, like I actually got to offer something for sale here. We used to do, we used to play this game. I bartended and waited tables for a long time. You're talking about the difference between being busy and being effective. And you can be busy and you can be on that hamster wheel. And you know, we talked about this, you can have a million subscribers and not get anything out of it. And we used to walk through a busy restaurant where we're serving tables and somebody would be like, try to flag you down and you would just walk real fast and look like you're busy just so you didn't have to like stop and actually be effective and do something. Because <laughs> if you're always moving in haste, people think you're busy. <laughs> yep. That's very, <laughs> like, yeah, it's true. But like the thing that one, I think one of the most valuable lessons that I, I've learned is that, well, and, and I think many of us do this backwards. We start working on, on like, I need to start making some videos I need to start making some content. I need to start putting stuff out. And then like, I'll, I'll, I'll make money later or I'll build a course later. I'll, I'll build my offer later or whatever. This was like such a simple thing, but also like a light bulb. And also made me feel like really dumb. You need to be focusing on money making things first. Cause if you, if you can't get that down, then you have nothing. What activities can you do right now that will have a direct return? Is it building a sales funnel? Is it, you know, working on learning how to actually start running ads if you have no audience yet? Like start building an audience, but then you actually have to have somewhere that they're going to that they can sell there where they can buy. Like, are you actually building that program or that mini course? Or obviously I exist in the course world. I know not everyone who's listening is, but like whatever it is, are you focusing on things that are like actual money-making activities right now? Because we, like you said, we can spin our wheels doing a bunch of stupid crap that really doesn't matter. That's a great way of winding up broke. With that mindset, how would you, looking back at your 2016 channel and seeing that that started to have success right before you shut it down, how would you have done that a little bit differently with that mindset? Yeah. I mean, I would have, I, first of all, um, the reason I said that I'm glad that I didn't have the success because for membership, membership, I, uh, membership programs like that, just, they suck. Like it, they're, they're not money. They, they will make no money because you already have to have a big audience and it's just, it sucks a lot of money out of it because anyway, there's, there's a lot wrong with the membership thing. A lot of people are doing it, but the ones that are actually having success have, they already have a lot of traction in a big audience. Um, the way you make money, um, in the digital space, selling courses is you actually have to have something that you can offer that is going to cost, like you actually need to make money. You know what I mean? Like you can't just be like barely scraping by, and so like doing a $10 a month program when just to host a membership like that is going to cost you, I don't know, $500 a month to like actually host something like that. Not, not including your time that it takes you to make the on-demand videos that you have to publish every single week or every other day or however frequently. Cause you know, for someone to actually stick around a membership program, membership like that, you've got to be putting up premium content for them to feel it's worth it. Not only that, the dropout rate for membership programs is insanely high. People will join for one month and then just drop. So that begs the question, what if instead you just sold something for $97? I mean, that's like 10 months. The average membership course is not going to retain a member for 10 months. It's just not. So you will actually make more money 
by just offering something for $97 and then just having it on demand that they can just go go through. That's a light bulb for me. That's really smart. And so the idea is do not sell something that's extremely cheap that is going to have a high level of demand on you as the business owner after they've purchased it. So the idea that I've kind of fallen on is I view my digital products as digital real estate that are going to make me passive income forever. If I would have started over again, I would have probably started by building something that I could have sold for $97, $47, something in the $50 to $100 range that I knew I could build that in, in maybe a couple of weeks and make it really good. And then I would invest a few hundred dollars into the software required to do it because you, you're going to have to have software. Like right now for my business, I'm probably spending a, between 700, probably like $750 a month just in softwares. And part of that is because I, I have a high enough traffic going to my site that I have to pay to get more traffic. I, I basically have to pay to get the bandwidth. If, if I were starting over, that's what I would have done is have something to offer from day one. Before you even put up a YouTube video, have something to offer. And I think that's worth it if it's going to take you two weeks to build something. Sure, maybe that's two weeks that, that you don't have you know, your YouTube videos up. But by taking the two weeks to build something, getting it up and running, where now from the very first video you ever make, you can point down and say, yeah, if you want more information, you want to check this out, you want to go deeper, whatever, I've got a link down below that you can check out or whatever. Because what happens if the first video you put up ends up actually getting like 10,000 views? That could happen. It would not be the first time. <laughs> How sucky would that be if you're like impatient so you're like, I'm just going to make my, I'm going to make my YouTube videos. And then over the course of the next two weeks, after you've put up that YouTube video, do you build a little mini course or whatever the digital product is that you're going to, you're going to sell. And then that video, by the time you actually have it ready, it's already putzed out. Cause that's how YouTube works. If a video does well, it's going to get the majority of, it, of its views. Now this isn't like a rule or anything, by the way, but like in my experience, the majority of the views are going to happen the first week or two. And then after that, it putzes out. What if you have a video that really pops and you just have literally nothing to offer them? That happened to me. And guess what? It sucks. <laughs> or if you don't have anything to offer, at least start building an email list. Have an opt-in. Have somewhere that they can go. And, and the way that you would do that is, hey, uh, you do the video and then say, hey, like over the next several weeks, I'm going to be having this XYZ product available. If you want to get on the pre-list, just click down below and you can sign up and be the first one to know when that thing is live. And then you just have them click on a link that takes them, use MailChimp or whatever it is. That's what I use. And MailChimp has like, literally they have landing pages you can create where it's just an opt-in page where all they do is they plug in their name and their email address and they click go. And then, and then boom, you have their email address. When I launched my course, I had 1600 people on my email list. So it wasn't big because guess what? I was dumb and I didn't grow an email list because I was told by <laughs> gurus, no, 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 email lists are dead. Email's dead. That is pretty funny. I made 30 grand from an email list of 1500. <laughs> Doesn't sound too dead to me. So it's like, okay, sure. And that was, that was, that was in a week. That's funny. You mentioned that I've, I've been told that email is dead too, but then I've also heard from a lot of people exactly what you just said is build an email list. That's the easiest way to get people recurring information out. It's, it's not dead. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so funny because when I got into this other program, it was in early December of last year. And they were basically like, you need to build an email list. And I was just like, you know what? 
I've been hearing over and over and over and over again from people, ah, email's dead. Don't do that. Don't do that. All the while I'm sitting here with freaking almost 25,000 subscribers with no email list, no way of contacting people other than making a YouTube video, which is unpredictable. And you don't have any other information. You can't actually send them something personalized. And so then I was like, man, I really got to do this. And so what I did is I took one module of my course and I just gave it away. And so in every video for about a month and a half, I would say, Hey, my program producer accelerators can be launching end of January. I'm giving away a module of my program for free right now. If you want to click down below and you can get that. And that's how I built an email list from zero to 1600 in a month and a half. And 1600 is not a big email list. That's not a lot of people. I spent one week doing a pre-launch email sequence. I sent out, I think three or four emails over the course of a week leading up to my launch. The first email was basically like heads up producer accelerator course is launching next week, you know, Wednesday at whatever time I'm going to be doing a live event where I'm going to be launching this. I'm going to be going through the seven keys to making pro home studio track. So I'm actually be teaching from the course in the event, and then I'll be offering it uh, 50% off for the first, you know, 200 people that join or whatever it is. And then the second email was kind of more of a value email. Like this is kind of what you can expect. You know, I'll be including a link next week where you can register for the event. I used webinar jam, which is a software for using live webinars where people actually have to register for the event. That's where you can host it and all that stuff. And then I think on the Monday leading up to it, I sent out the email with the registration information say, Hey, here's where you can register. And I think I had maybe a hundred people register like in the first day, by the time the event actually happened, I think I had 400 people registered and about half of those people showed up. So I had 200 people on my live webinar. My, my course sells for 699 regular price. So I sold it for 349 on my launch and the webinar, the live webinar that I did was two hours long. An hour of it was basically just, you know, it was like 35, 40 minutes of just teaching from the course itself. So I provided a crap load of value for people that showed up and then spent probably 10, 15 minutes pitching it and then did an hour of Q and A. And during the whole thing, I made sure I had all of my stuff shut down, like on my sales sides. I didn't want to be seeing any of the numbers coming in because I didn't want the distraction. And I had no idea what to expect. I mean, like in my mind, I was thinking if we can do anything, if we can do more than $5,000, that'd be, that'd be amazing, you know, and to go from nothing to $5,000 and uh, hard thinking about it. It's like, it was so crazy. I, I logged out of the webinar when we finished and opened up my dashboard and it was almost $20,000. Wow. And it's like <sighs> in two hours, but yeah, email's dead. And then I ended, I ended up in that first week doing like it ended, I think it ended up doing being like 30, 30,000 in that week. I'm not saying any of that to pat myself on the back. Like none of that is to brag. None of that is because look at me, I'm awesome. It, it is, this stuff is real. It can happen, but it takes a crap load of work and it, and it does not happen overnight. I spent a freaking month and a half 
growing an email list that I wasn't even sure was going to work. But I committed to it. I committed to it. And I just did it to the book. That's what I want to take back full circle. We started this conversation with five years of failing and giving up and coming back to it and giving up again and getting no results. And then a year to a year and a half of just really intentional learning and seemingly in a week, you go from zero to 30,000 in seven days. Really, you went from zero to 30,000 in five years and it all just came to fruition in one week. But that's just such a perfect tangible example of what happens when you put the work in. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, it's just, I mean, it's been life-changing, you know, and, and that's just one revenue stream. That's the thing that's insane. That's just one revenue stream. That's one course. I make money from Google. Cause like I said, my, my YouTube channel does have a higher payout than, than others because I'm in the tech side of it. And, and, you know, so, I mean, like I, I make, like I make from YouTube, what my wife, like more than what my wife used to make working full-time just from YouTube. And that's just another revenue source. And then I have affiliate, I have relationships with brands that I can do sponsored content with, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's one revenue stream, but it just, yeah, it takes a lot of work and learning and yeah, just like making mistakes and, and failing and not, and, and not quitting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've gotten that question, like, why did, like, how like just messing up so many times, like, why didn't you just quit? I think there is a certain part of it where it's like, what else am I going to do? I'm not going back to that sales job. I'm not. If I got to eat dirt for another year, I'm doing it. You know what I mean? And so it's like, yeah, just, I think, I think there's a certain level at which if you, if you want to make it work, like you got to have some, you got to be tough. You have to have grit. Like you have to be able to take the suck for a little while and like get, you know, kicked in the nuts over and over again and just say, give me more. You know what I mean? <laughs> What's your pool here? Because you're talking about like, if I would eat dirt for a year, if I had to, is it the lifestyle you're trying to build? Is it because you're just so invested in the teaching and the music? What's your why behind all of this? I don't care about the money. I mean, the money's great. My wife cares more about the money than I do. And that's, that sounded awful. Not at all in a bad way. Like security. That's what I meant is, you know, she wants the security. I'm a risk taker to the extreme. Like I would live off of ramen, but I, I'm married. I've got, I have a little boy, a year and a half old. We're having a daughter in a month. I've got a family. And so that's obviously big motivation. I want to take care of my family. I want to provide for them. And I think more importantly, um, for me, the big driving force is I have felt pretty much for forever, like I have to build something that's my own. I need to build something that is mine and I need to own it, like 100% of it. I'm not going to do this. Yeah, I get paid a commission for selling something someone else has. And music is my passion. I found a way of making money doing music. But like, fun thing. I'm not producing artists. I did that. And I still do on occasion. And there's, trust me, there's good money in producing artists. Like you can make very good money producing. Um, and I think a lot of people just don't even know that actually music producers are probably the higher paid people in the industry. I did that. I just, I just didn't find as much joy doing it. Like working with artists, It kind of feels like glorified babysitting to a certain degree. I, I know that I'm passionate about teaching. And, and that's, that's a fact. Like some people sell courses because they think it's an easy way of making money and their, their eyes light up with the dollar signs. You know, I do it because I 
I literally love teaching. Like I love talking about music. I love talking about this stuff too. Like this stuff, it makes me so fired up. Like I've thought about start, starting like a second YouTube channel just talking about business. Basically like, screw you, make money online gurus. I'm going to do it for free. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> Disrupting an industry, right? Yep. <laughs> like not sell anything. Just be like, look, I actually own a business that does something completely unrelated to this. I'm just telling you what I did. <laughs> and like, and, Yeah, all these guys are asking for $10,000. I'll just tell you what I did. You know, I'm obviously kind of being a little... I mean, I don't know, maybe well, but like that'll be down the road. Um, but like, I love talking about this stuff. I love teaching. I love explaining things. I love helping people. Like, even though what I'm doing is music, and I think a lot of people might be like, it's just music, but like music changed my life and music has made my life better. And being able to do this skill has like infinitely made my life better. And so the fact that I can then take that and then teach someone else that skill I mean, like I said, I get, I get emails in, from my students who are just telling me things like, you've changed my life, which is just music. That's all it is, right? It's quote unquote, just music. But like, I'm actually enriching people's lives by helping them, which feels, that feels amazing to do that. And then I get the financial reward, which is great. But I, I think a lot of it is, is I love building things. I love building things from scratch. I'm, um, have you guys ever heard like the Gallup poll, like Gallup polls? Mm-hmm. So they have their strength finders test, which is one of the more popular, um, like a lot of businesses will use this for like personality tests and things like that. And they give you like your top five strengths. And mine are um, command, which is basis like role of leadership. The second one is uh, activator, which means I have to, I like, I have to be doing something. Some people start a business because they want to go lay on a beach and they want to like, I want like the freedom to like work four hours a day or four hours a week. And I'm going to go lay on a beach all day. I would probably die doing that. I literally would probably die of depression because I can't do that. I could not imagine my life without going to work and working all day. I love to work. The set, the third is uh, futuristic, strategic, and ideation. And so it's like, you think of all those and you put those all together. I have to be doing something. I'm constantly thinking about the future. I'm, I'm being strategic about it. And then like, I have to, I got to do it. I got to put a plan together and I got to make it. And so like that to me is like, some of it's like probably just personality, but like my why of why would I eat dirt for a year? It's because those things like are just kind of, I think part of it's like a personality thing, a character thing. Like I said, what else am I going to do? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to go work at a grocery store. I'm not going to go become a car salesman. I'm not going to go sell where I used to sell. So I think there's got to be a healthy dose of insanity. <laughs> but that's great self-awareness. You know, everybody we talk to that has some level of success in whatever industry they're in, they all, we talk about Enneagram a lot because that's a big thing, Colorado Springs. I actually do leadership development. So we do Berkman assessments, um, Myers-Briggs assessments with people all the time. Good, yeah. The people that that do those on their own tend to have, and this is just a pattern I'm noticing, people that are successful tend to have one of those things that they've latched onto and they recognize their strengths, their personality types, their motivators, their their needs, and they really lean into that and know how to leverage it to take whatever it is they're working on to the next level. That's really good. I mean, like, yeah, you have to figure out, and I think this is actually really helpful too. And, and I mean, I did this unintentionally. It's not like I was thinking, oh, look at me, I'm being so smart with this. Like it, it just it is the way it is. But like, I, 
I think I said this earlier, like I just said yes to everything. I never said no to anything. Like if I ever had a job opportunity for like writing or producing or arranging or whatever the case it was professionally as a freelancer, I said yes to everything. And the benefit of doing that is you learn real quick what things you don't like, mm-hmm. which is so valuable. And I think, uh, I think actually Matthew McConaughey has talked about this of all, of all people. I mean, with his green, green light. Speaking to my heart right now, dude, I just finished it this morning. <laughs> I'm, uh, I need to get it. I've, I've listened to a lot of interviews with him, but I, I've never, I haven't read his book, but I've listened we're, to him. We're getting him on this show. It might be five years from now, but he's coming to this podcast. <laughs> yes. There we go. That's, that's uh, Brandon's why behind this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I, um, I was talking with, um, with a friend of mine and, um, we were, we were kind of talking about in, in his, it's tough because I think there's a balance here, but like, uh, the idea of almost like mentally concluding that you've already won before you have. So when I was in sales, this was, this was the case and it happened more times than I can count. Like literally I could think before I I got in my car to leave, I'd be like today, I'm going to get five sales. It's going to happen. Don't know how, but it's going to happen. And going through the day, if you have that level of determination and will, not this like, you know, it'd be nice. It'd be nice to get five sales a day. That'd be kind of cool. Like, no, I'm getting five sales today. It's happening. There's some pretty ridiculous power when you do that. And now I think this can be dangerous too. (laughs) Like there's some danger in it, but I have kind of noticed this trend as well with like other people I talk to who are successful, the normalization of success, like success is you expect it. And like, you kind of almost like demand it of yourself a little bit where even if you fail, it's like, okay, fine, whatever. Like you just put in the past. That's the challenge. And that's why it's dangerous because you might not live up to your to what you quote unquote will for yourself. And I don't want to be all weird about it either. Like, I don't see this as a weird thing, but like you might not live up to it. And this is where I think a lot of people really struggle with the cognitive dissonance of that, of I demand of myself, that I'm going to do this thing. It's going to be successful. And then it's not successful. And what is that? The typical person says, I guess I just lied to myself. I guess I was just wrong. And maybe I'm not worth that, or maybe this or that. And then they start second guessing it. And I think for me, it's been, this is going to happen. And then it doesn't happen. And I say, cool, next time this is going to happen. You know, that's why I feel like the healthy dose of insanity. We're like, you have to have this like intentional memory loss of just like, you just, you, you have to just forget it, like learn from it. But then you put it behind you say, nope, not thinking about that anymore. And this has actually been, and for those who are married, it's hard being married and building a business, especially if your, your spouse personality wise really wrestled, like really struggles with that. My wife is, you know, she, she like security. She wants to know things are going to work. And I'm like, let's jump off a cliff, baby. You know, and like, <laughs> you know, whatever. I mean, we had to have like a lot of conversations the second time around and we really wrestled with it just as a couple with starting the business again and trying again, because she has the memory of the failure. Hmm. I don't. <laughs> That's the right. Thing. I don't. <laughs> right. Like, I'm just like, what, what failure? Like, what are you talking about? I just learned a lot of lessons, babe. 
Now, how much of that for you do you think is personality and how much of that is learned? The, the, the ability to forget those failures and move on and keep going and try again. Is that something that just is part of your personality or is it something that you've been intentional again about? That's tough. I actually, what's funny is one of the reasons my dad questioned whether or not I should go into sales is because I actually do have, especially when I was younger, had a pretty sensitive personality where like I was easily offended and easily hurt <laughs> and took things personally and, and whatnot. And that was, I think, one of the reasons for, for my dad being a little concerned about me getting into sales. And that, I think, is the reason why it was good I got into sales. Because you learn real, real quick, you can't live like that. Now, I, I think that I already had it within me to be that way. And I think, we, I think to a certain degree, we all do. Like, I think we all have it within us, even those of us who are very sensitive. Because now, I just don't feel particularly sensitive anymore. But the same thing about like seeing nasty comments on a YouTube video, initially it hurts and it stings and you're just like, oh my gosh. And like, I remember crying over it a few months ago. And now I'm just like, whatever, who cares? And so I think, I think that part of growing and building something, especially if it's in the public sphere, because mine is like, I am in the public sphere. I think like over 2 million people have seen my videos. And so it's like, I'm in the public sphere in the sense that like people know who I am and, and people are seeing my thumbnails on YouTube. People like I, I'm now a figure on YouTube or whatever, like in my specific industry, I'm, I'm actually getting kind of up there in terms of like overall size of like the average channel. Most of them are under 30,000 subscribers, but I think a lot of it is just like, you do kind of have to learn that, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of tough because I think we all kind of have it within us to not just be like hard or like, you know, not care. I don't know. I think there's also like kind of segmentation of it. Like something still, I find myself easily offended by something still, but like the whole, like forget failure thing and like just move on. I think that's probably more of a combination of, I learned that in my job in sales that you're going to get rejection. It's going to happen. And you're the thing is that's that people just like need to think about is like, if you're going to sell something, you're going to hear no way more than you hear. Yes. That doesn't mean you suck at selling. I heard somebody the, just a couple of days ago, trying to explain this as like an actual law of nature. And if you think of a tree that's dropping nuts on the ground, it's not expecting all of those to turn into more trees. And if it did, it would quit after the first season, you know, but like if one or two of those over the lifetime of a, of a tree that lives hundreds of years takes off to be another tree over time, that becomes a forest, right? And it's that compounding effect. And, and it's interesting because we teach it in sports analogies, next play. Okay. You screwed up, but you can't dwell in that because everything is still moving forward and you've got to figure out how you put yourself in that mindset to say, okay. This in this moment didn't work, but the game's still going on. Yeah. I still got to keep, keep moving, keep pushing and figure out how to get through that. And I think, like you said, it, it can be learned, but it's going to take some trial and tribulation to get through that mindset. Yeah. I mean, so like I said, the first month of my sales job, I think I forget if we were talking. Yeah. I, I can't remember if it was on air or off air, but like my first month in, in my sales job was. I mean, I was like, what did I do? Why did I do this? And like, I made a me, I made a huge mistake before I took that sales job. I think my wife had seen me cry. I don't know, three, four times maybe ever. And at, when I took that job, we had already been married 
uh, we'd already been married probably three, almost four years. Yeah, I think it was four, yeah, three, four years. I'd have to go back and remember the year. Anyway, not the year I got married. <laughs> <laughs> we can edit that just in case you ah, listen to it. No, yeah. Leave it in. That's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> this is the stuff that makes these shows fun. <laughs> but uh, I remember that first month crying more. I mean, like almost daily. And I remember like going to church, not being able to sing because it just, I couldn't. And I, I felt so overwhelmed with what am I doing? And is this even going to work? You know, all that. I just like had made a mental decision that I'm not quitting. I think that we have a lot more control over our feelings and our emotions than we give ourselves credit for. And we're living in a society right now. I know a lot of people don't like hearing this, but like we're living in a society right now where feelings trump everything. This is a load of bull crap. If we're going to look at it from a business perspective, like obviously personal relationships, that's, I think that's like a completely different thing. Like I can't tell my wife that when she's crying, (laughs) (laughs) like babe, get over it. You know, like, right. Your emotions are bull crap. (laughs) Come on. Like, (laughs) um, but like when it comes to like running a business, I mean, this is like a totally different thing. I'm a pro capitalist. I think capitalism is great sink or swim. You know what I mean? And so it's like, think about it from that perspective. It's like the market is going to decide whether what you have is a value or not. And if it's not a value, guess what? Sucks to suck. Figure it out. And that's, it's that simple in business in general, when it comes to feelings and emotions and stuff like that, it's like, you gotta be data, you gotta be data driven. And so like, you have to be driven by is this selling? Is this actually working? You cannot run a successful business based on what feels good or based on what you, what your like the whims of your desires for that particular moment are saying that you should do. Your business will fail if you do that. And I think it's just a hard lesson to learn. It really is that emotions when it comes to building a business, like I've just had to really learn. I have to separate myself from how I feel in many cases. Like if I'm feeling nerves, like nervous or anxiety or, or whatever, it's like, you got to find a way of separating that out and compartmentalizing that and put it away, put it away. You can come back to it when you're done with work and then you can deal with it and you can wrestle with it. But like spending money, I'm in a place right now where it's like, fortunately we're financially extraordinarily stable as a business, but that doesn't change the fact that like in three months from now, we, maybe we're not, you know what I mean? Like things can change and I'm not. I'm not in a, I'm not in a state right now where I feel like everything's great. You know, whatever we can just pay ourselves, whatever. Like my wife and I pay, like I pay ourselves the bare minimum so we can meet our budget. I I don't have to, like I could pay myself more. That would be the cool thing to do. Be like, yeah, I'm like, things are going great. Like I should just pay myself like $10,000 a month or whatever. But like, I'm not (laughs) because the emotion of like, I want satisfaction and pleasure or whatever, I'm going to hold off on that because I would rather build something that is going to be stable for the future. Anyway, sorry. I'm just kind of ranted on that for a little bit, but you know. No, you're good. I think that you're hitting on another roadblock that everybody hits right here. And that is when I create something that ends up not being of value, that means I'm not valuable. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's not true. 
I, I think a lot of people get caught up there like, oh, that didn't work. Therefore, I don't have anything to offer. And so I'm going to give up. But that's not true. You just got to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, that wasn't valuable. That doesn't mean I'm not valuable. How can I build something then that meets the criteria of what somebody's going to consider valuable? It's not, it's not you. It maybe is just the product. You can always go back and refine it and fix it. And objectively, there is like you have value to add. You just got to find it. So if something doesn't work, you got to find something else. And eventually something will work. Yeah, I think in like hindsight is great. Like, honestly, I think you need to reframe. I think this is so helpful. This has been really helpful for me. The idea of reframing how I think about circumstances. So like rather than thinking about XYZ didn't work, therefore drawing a conclusion that I suck <laughs> instead that didn't work. Okay. That's great because I just, it's like the Thomas Edison idea of like, you know, found 99 ways or nine or however many thousand ways not to make a light bulb. All that is, is it's just a, a mental reframe. And we have the power of doing this as humans, which is incredible. Like we have so much more authority over how we think and feel than we ever give ourselves credit for. A lot of it comes down to like just knowing how to direct it and like how to move it into a better light. If things aren't working, it, well, yeah. And so like, you just, you, you have to like stop and think like, okay, like what went wrong and actually go through some, some of the, the data and like ask questions, like ask tons of questions. I'm like, okay, why didn't that work? What about it didn't resonate with people? What, you know, just asking questions, I think is super valuable. Like I said, my first attempt at building a business, I try to do the, the membership model. Well, I look back now, I'm like, well, that was a terrible idea, <laughs> right? But like, how would I have ever learned that if I didn't do it? Yeah. Because now I have friends coming to me saying, man, Nathan, I want to build a membership. I'm like, don't you dare. <laughs> you know I mean? Like I've done that before. Well, and that's just my point. The membership model didn't work. That doesn't mean you are a bad producer or a bad content creator. It just means that didn't work. Exactly. But you are a bad person because like, it didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> you should go cry in a hole. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that a hundred percent. I think too, just on the, on the, on the train of providing value, I think this is where a lot of people on the online space get really screwed up and messed up is because there is, I think this notion that, and I've heard this so many times, it, it literally drives me nuts that I'm just going to, I'm just going to build this course and I'll just like use, I'll just run Facebook ads and I'll just make a ton of money. That's a great way of of losing money, actually. That's a very good way of losing money. Because a couple things. First of all, is if your first instinctive thought is, I'm gonna build a course, run ads, and I'm gonna make a ton of money, like you're kind of starting off all whack. Why don't you just start with like, hey, like what can I do to provide ultimate value to someone else? That should be the first thing you think about. What can I offer that will actually provide some sort of tangible value to someone else that might be education. Obviously in my, my space, it's education. My goodness. I see a lot of people building courses, teaching things that I'm just literally sitting here thinking, what on earth are you doing? You know what that course is that you're building? That's a you course. Mm. That's a you course. Good luck selling that. It's never going to sell because you built that because you wanted to build it. You didn't build it because you wanted to validate that someone else needs it. And I think a lot of people just totally screw this up where they build something without actually validating whether there's even a demand for it. 
or whether there's actually some sort of value that they're providing somebody. Because maybe you could provide some value to one person. That does not mean you can provide value for a thousand people or 10,000 people or a hundred thousand people. People building a course because they heard one person said, oh man, you'll be really great is if someone could teach this one thing. And they're like, I can make so much money doing that. I'm going to build that. I'm going to run Facebook ads. It's like, that was one person. And then now that just became about you. But people don't buy because of you. People buy because of them. When, when someone purchases something, this is the, the big thing I learned about sales. No one buys something because the salesperson wants you to buy something. I mean, have you ever bought something that way? Like, have you like, think about that. Like, have you ever bought something because the salesman wanted you to buy it? Not outside of being like pressure sales, right? Where you like, uh, yep. Pressure. But when did you No, you buy something because you, in your brain said that is going to offer me something of value. I want that. Not the salesperson wants that. I want that. And I think this is where just so many people get wrong. And like, I think this is the first question you have to ask if something fails, if something fails, because it's probably going to fail at some point, like, why did it fail? Then start, start there. Was I doing this because of me or was I doing it because there's actually a demand for this? That's like a little bit of a tangent. I know, but. There's so many little bits of gold in that tangent though, because one of the things that you, well, let's, let's try to tie this together a little bit because you're talking about people finding their strengths and offering something to others, right. And doing it for those others, because I have something to bring to the table for you. It was education. It was your knowledge of, of music and being able to show others how to do that and how to produce. If I'm sitting at home and I don't even know what my strength is or what value I can provide to other people, where do I even start? Yeah. That's a good, good, really good question. You know, I think, I think it's hard for me to answer that because I feel like I've just had this so solidified for a long time. Okay. Um, I guess, hmm. I mean, I, I think that it's sometimes easier to decide what you don't want to do. You know what I mean? Kind of like what we were talking about earlier, find out what you know for a fact you're, you're not going to do. And Here's the thing, and I think a lot of a lot of a lot of people that think they're meant to start a business don't want they're not going to want to hear what I'm about to say. You might not be meant to build a business. You just you just might not. Yeah, that is true. Business is is kind of on a pedestal where it it looks really glorified and really it's just really hard. Like you have to have a pretty intense driving force to really be able to weather the storms that business brings. It yeah. is not easy. Yeah. I mean, it's like you hear people talk about working till midnight, getting up at five in the morning. I've done all that. Like really, like how, how driven are you? You know what I mean? Like you, you really have to evaluate that. Is that you? Because if, if you're no, 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 I want to, I want to be at work at nine every day. I want to, you know, have like a nice kind of leisurely start to my day, whatever. And then I want to be home unplugged at five o'clock. You might get that in a business after you've built it, but if you really want your business to work, there is a reason entrepreneurs will, will basically like have no life for a while. When things were really starting to take off with this business for me, I told my wife, I said, minimum three months, I'm not going to have a social life. And I want you to have a social life. I want you to do things, but I, I just have to say no, basically everything. And I did, I just like, 
Do I need coffee? Sorry. I can't. Those are sacrifices that, that I think a lot of people don't understand are a part of the package. Yeah. And so I just think that like kind of going, going back to just Brandon's question is just find what you don't want to do because you might, yeah, you might discover that building a business just might not actually really be in alignment with, with what it is you want to do. And like I said, living in the, in the digital, like the world of social media, you see all the entrepreneurs making tons of money, you know, they're on their yacht or whatever. And it seems real cool, but in most cases, one, that's a fantasy. It's not real. It might be real for them, but the chances it's real for you, it's like 0.01%. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's probably not going to happen. I think the second thing, if, if you are like wondering, like, should I start a business? Should I do this? you need to wrestle really hard with, are you willing in a way to like gamble knowing that the odds are really stacked against you? And if the answer is no, without even really thinking about it, and you're just like, I just, you know what? I just don't think I'm that big of a risk taker. Then just don't do it. Because if you're not 150% in saying like, yep, yep, I'll do that. I'll take that deal. I'll, I'll gamble. I will do what it takes. I will do what it takes. And the thing is, is that like, there are plenty of people who say, yep, I'll take that. I'll risk it. I'll gamble. And they fail. And <laughs> I guess that, and then, then you just have to ask yourself, if you, if you do it, if you, if you take the risk, you gamble and you fail, are you willing to say, I'll take another, I'll take another ticket. I'll take another, I'll take another ticket. I just see that so often with like other people who are successful. It's just like that unwillingness to back down. Nope. I'm not, I'm not quitting. Yeah. I'm not giving up. I'm not going to lose. Like, I love the story of like Elon Musk with SpaceX. I don't know if you guys have heard much about like, I mean, that's like a decade and a half. That's the of story of that guy's life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it's incredible. Like, I don't know if you guys know the podcast business wars. I don't. My wondering. It's really good. You should check it out. Not to pump someone else's podcast in your podcast. You can cut that up, but you know, <laughs> anyway, it's, 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 it's phenomenal because it, it goes through like the competition of big, big brands. And a lot of it is actually really just talking about failure. <laughs> like right. how these people failed and just like found a way of, of dealing with it and like continuing to move on and press on. So are you willing to have that successful attempt to be your 50th one instead of your first one <laughs> is really what it comes down to. I think here's the other thing you probably need to just mentally put yourself in a place that you're going to fail the first time. Not in an expectant way of like work as if you're going to fail, <laughs> but it's like the mental preparedness of just, you like need to not care, but then you need to care so much that it's, you know what I mean? It's like so weird right. to think about. I was just talking to somebody about this the other day. I have some kind of unexpected ventures that just popped onto my radar that are probably going to make my summer not a social summer. And I was telling him, like, I know this is going to be hard. I know this isn't going to be exactly what I want to be doing with my time, but the return on investment on it is going to be huge. So I just have to acknowledge the fact that life is hard and it's going to be hard this summer and that that's okay. And it, he he was kind of like, well, but maybe it's not hard. Maybe life just is. And maybe, you know, and I was like, no, I have to tell myself it's hard because if I lie to myself and tell and, and say, this isn't going to be hard, I'm not going to see it through. So I have to go into it knowing this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be fun. It's not going to be a beautiful thing, 
it's not going to be that pedestal that everybody thinks it is. And I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. And if I don't tell myself that it's hard, I'm going to be lying to myself. And then I'm going to get to that hard moment and not be able to push through it because I have set this expectation that it's going to be easy and it's going to be fun and it's it, but it's not. And I have to be okay with that. That's so good. I love that. It's like I've already said, I think we have more control over how we think and feel than we give ourselves credit for, which I think should be an encouragement to people. I don't think that should be like seen in a bad light. Like, oh my gosh, like you're saying your feelings and emotions don't care. It's like, no, 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 they do. I'm just saying you actually have control over them. You can decide, you can make, like you have mental fortitude. What you're talking about is, is just so good because I, I think that actually contributed to some of my failures at the beginning. I bought into the idea that it was going to be easy that, oh, building online business, like you can just, people do it all the time and like, whatever, it's easy. And it's not. And the thing is, is here's the other thing that I think just specific, it's probably with, with brick and mortar businesses as well. I'm sure it is. Maybe you can testify this as well, Travis, with your company. The things that are going to be the hardest about running your business are probably not what you think they are. Yeah, absolutely. It's not what you think. Like you think, you know, it's going to be so hard. It's going to be this. And you get into it and you find out that what's hard, pro- like the things you thought were hard, hard were probably easy. And then, the, and then everything else, you just are like, oh my gosh. No, that's absolutely true. It's, I mean, I'm doing things now that I never thought I'd be doing when I started this business six years ago. You know, you get to, and it's just, I think that's just part of not knowing what you don't know. The key there is to be willing to say, okay, I didn't know that. Now I know I'm going to go fix it and I'm going to provide a value there. Yep. I agree. The challenges that I'm facing that just make me so upset and frustrated and like make me want to punch a hole in the wall. (laughs) Like I run a digital business. So like I rely on a lot of software. And I have to know how that software operates, how it works. I have to know how to utilize it. I need to know how to manipulate it. And I need to know how to make sure all my softwares are communicating with each other. I hate doing this. I literally hate it. It is, it is the bane of my existence. And it's the last thing I want to do. And for the last month, that's basically been my job. And it sucks. Like, really sucks running ads on YouTube and running ads on Facebook. I don't have a single U- U- ad running on YouTube right now because Google has disapproved every single one of my ads for the last two and a half weeks. And I cannot for the life of me figure out why. And I'm reaching out to their support. I'm reaching out to my software support for my funnel. I'm going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. I don't want to be doing that. <laughs> like It's the last thing I want to do. I just want them to work. You know what I mean? And it's those things. I've just thought so much recently, you know what? It's not the big things that kill people. It's just the compounding weight of little things that have to get done. And if you don't get them done, you fail. Like you go out of business because business is not about making, it's not about making two or three really big decisions. It's about making like a thousand little decisions and then, and then finding a way to make sure that they're all working together. That's a lesson for life. That's not even just business. That's a lesson for life. Your health, your relationships. It's a thousand small decisions that compound. Yeah. Intentionality and discipline. It all comes back to that. Sir, you are wise. Um, well, 
Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of it is just necessity. Yeah. It's like, I just didn't have a choice. I mean, I did, but the alternative was, you know, video games. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. Don't, don't play video. Don't play video games. <laughs> don't do drugs. <laughs> uh, well, Nathan, we've had you for quite a while, man. I really appreciate your time. Uh, I want to be respectful of it. There is a lot in this episode, uh, a lot of philosophical, a lot of practical. Man, we really just appreciate your insight. We appreciate you being here, and we appreciate all of that advice and tips and tricks and and really just the the life lessons you've learned and that you're willing to share. So thank you so much for being here. Just appreciate it, man. Where can people check out your YouTube channel? YouTube.com slash Nathan Larson Music. And Larson is L-A-R-S-E-N. That's with an E. If you do O-N, you're going to find like some like weird political figure, Nathan Larson, who had like some like incest issue or something like that. So don't do that. We'll make sure we put it in the show notes appropriately. Then. <laughs> Larson with an E. Very important. I've literally had comments of people say, your name is very unfortunate. And I'm just like, spelled <laughs> well, differently. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, again, we appreciate you being here and everyone go check out what Nathan's doing. If you're a music producer, he's got the course. So get on there, check it out and uh, support this guy because he's doing it. He's killing it. Cool, man. Thanks again, Nathan. Nathan, great to meet you, friend.